Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anya McGlynn. Hey. So digital marketing is... Oof. <laughs> it's a can of worms is what it is. It really is. I see not just organizations, but companies. Like I feel like mm-hmm. everyone's struggling with this. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. Like I think it was... I saw Subway tweeted something about six months six months ago. And this is Subway, right? Huge brand. And they tweeted a poll, and it was like, uh, which of our breads do you prefer? And it was like, you know, the three options. Nobody responded to the poll. Ouch! And so so the actual Twitter commentary, it was just like laughing. Everybody was just like, you know, making fun of them and being like, wait, two days later, wait, still nobody has responded to this poll, right? So it was like... (laughs) A clear sort of like indication that, you know, that is not necessarily the right digital strategy for engagement. Absolutely. And I've been around a number of tables where someone said, we need a Twitter strategy. We need to be on Facebook. We need to be in Snapchat. Mm -hmm. And without really thinking about why. And then once you know the why, there's all of the how. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Or, Or this notion that like, you know, oh, we posted it on Facebook. We're going to get, you know, 100 comments and people are going to share it. We're going to go gonna viral. Get, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's going to lead to millions of dollars in donations. And it's unfortunately, it's just not the case. Not even close. Yeah. And so uh, our interview with Avery Schwartz today is great because she kind of, well, she actually really does break it down, uh, forces you to think about why and where and then how. And I think that um, once you get all those three things working together, Mm -hmm. you can actually have a strategy behind your your social media and your digital uh, marketing. And and then it's just a matter of consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Consistency and I think authenticity too, right? (laughs) I think, um, you know, we we are, we're have been using social media platforms for 10 years now. And so people are pretty savvy about it, you know, obviously given all the controversies around social media as, as platforms and, and uh, in terms of like fake news and truth and all this kind of stuff, like people have become quite cynical about social media. So mm-hmm. if you come to those channels without sort of a clear sense of what it means to express yourself authentically on those channels and what it means to really speak to the community that, that you're, you're trying to engage instead of just, you know, trying to extract their likes and their engagements from them, you know, I, I think that that's, that's a real different differentiator. Definitely. So here is Avery Schwartz, who's a Toronto-based entrepreneur, tech expert, and consultant. And she's all about helping businesses and charities use technology to achieve their goals. She is the founder and CEO of Camp Tech, which is a tech workshop company for non-technical people, and Helms North Coast Group, a website advisory and digital consultancy. She's a tech correspondent. You've probably seen her on CTV's Your Morning, um, where she's a resident tech expert. She highlights latest tech gadgets and apps uh, for a national audience. You may have also heard her on the CBC, uh, cross radio stations, giving expert commentary on latest tech news, or you may have read her small business tech column in Canada's national newspaper of record, The Globe and Mail. Basically, she's everywhere. She's everywhere. She's the go-to, and really specifically speaking to small businesses and charities, which uh, I think keeps it keeps it real. Yep. 
Amazing. So without without delay, here is uh, Avery. All right. Welcome, Avery. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a, it's a, such a pleasure. I'm really excited to have you on because I think what you've uh, done with your business and the services you provide are so relevant to small charities around um, digital marketing. So let's dive right in. I can't tell you how many board tables I've sat around where someone will raise their hand and say, we need a Twitter strategy or we need to be more active on Instagram. And and then all of a sudden staff are expected to like run and go make that happen. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've all experienced that. And it's sort of digital marketing for charities is kind of this really funny space where we're kind of behind in compared to other industries, but I'm not really sure where we should be. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I, I specialize in working with small businesses and small charities and nonprofits. And, um, you know, even though there are completely different, I do in, in some ways really think of, of charities and nonprofits as small businesses, because it's like you said, it's the, it's the same sort of struggle of, um, you know, the resources and the time and the money and the knowledge, uh, because we can't as much, as much as we would love to myself included, we can't do absolutely everything. You know, when, when I think about digital marketing and, and social media marketing definitely is the one that, that tends to be, you know, first and, and top of mind when people start talking about digital marketing, um, you know, when you, when you have that moment where, yeah, like a board member or, um, you know, a, a stakeholder or somebody's kind of outside the core, uh, marketing says like, Hey, we should be on Twitter or the, you know, our charity should have a Pinterest or something. Um, my favorite question to ask is why? Uh, and I, and I don't mean that in a super snarky, like clap back, uh, you know, I, I'm asking why just to get somebody to shut up kind of way. Um, I mean it because when you ask why it immediately allows you to kind of get down to what, what's the goal. Um, and it kind of reminds you of what are we doing as an organization and what's our mission and both at a really high level. And then also in each you know, kind of all all the different initiatives you might have going on and then lets you kind of see does social media or digital marketing align with that goal. And so when I think about, you know, what is the presence that charities kind of en masse might have on the internet, um, you know, Sure, you're right, Cindy. Um, there, there's less of a presence online for charities than there would be for like consumer product goods uh, because you know their their why is to sell things um, and, and to to kind of fuel that that consumer cycle um, where sometimes with a charity it's the question of why should we be here why should we play be playing in the digital space sometimes that question isn't so easy to answer um, so so I don't necessarily think that charities are falling behind in the digital space I just think um, sometimes it, it's an alignment issue I think that is so interesting because uh, yeah, there has to be a reason with our limited resources in our sector. I think we should be asking that question for everything that we do. Right? <laughs> Especially yeah. social media, where very often it means developing a new skill set yeah. um, or having volunteers manage it and not having any control over yeah. it. So before yeah. you dive into a social media strategy, mm. 
I think that's a really important question. And I'd love to hear some really good reasons why you should look at social media and some reasons that are not good enough. Yeah. So, you know, the, again, asking these questions and, and it's, it's not in a rude, like, well, why would we want to do that? You know, kind of snappy kind of way, but asking, you know, why, why would we even think about um, even starting to even wonder whether we should or shouldn't, you know, be using these tools. Um, and, and there's a lot of understanding and, and knowledge and some learning that needs to take place to even be able to answer that question um, about why, our organization should be on Twitter or on Pinterest or LinkedIn or, or any other digital marketing channel or social media channel. Um, and some of those other questions will then lead you to things like, well, um, what is it going to do for us? How are we going to operate on this particular uh, digital tool? How are we going to do it successfully? And what does that really look like? Do we have the bandwidth, like you said, both the the time, the resources, the um, the woman or manpower, um, you know, the money to do it properly? Because I am such a proponent of either do it right or don't do it at all. Um, so, you know, once you start to kind of ask all of those questions, um, you know, and, and sometimes people don't, they don't even necessarily know what channel is right for different organizations. So mm-hmm. like you said, you know, if you've got somebody that's like a board member, let's say that they're, you know, an amazing person and they do really, really great stuff, but they work at, um, you know, Deloitte or somewhere, <laughs> you know, where, where they may have found that using LinkedIn has been massively successful in their organization's uh, digital strategy. But just because it's really successful for the company that they work for doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be successful for the the charity that that you're all working towards building. Um, So I I really do think of um, any type of technology tool, whether we're talking about social media platforms or websites or or whatever they might be, I just think of them as tools. And they're tools and, and levers that you can pull on to help you reach your goal. And if you're not able to make a strategy and and understand what you're going to try with the tool and then measure it to see if it's helped you reach your goal or not, then like, don't even bother. You've, you've got a lot of other things to do. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So what are some goals that you see as um, things that a charity can and should be thinking about for their social media strategy? The number one goal I see across the board, either with my consulting clients or the people that we see that come to our workshops at Camp Tech. And this is, again, where like the small businesses and the charities um, make for for really good classmates um, is it's almost always about awareness. Mm -hmm. And if you're talking to a small business, they'll call it like brand awareness. And if you're talking to a charity, they'll call it, you know, advocacy and education and awareness. But really, we're kind of all talking about the same thing, um, which is not necessarily about sales. Like we're not talking about products where it's such a, a clear like, I want people to know that I make dish towels and, and, you know, you can sell, you know, you can buy these dish towels and they're going to be a great dish towel. And, and you have a really clear goal of like selling things. Um, so often I will see that somebody's goal, especially for online is about spreading the word. 
the word that your organization even exists <laughs> or to people that might already be aware of your organization to remind them that you still exist. <laughs> so it's, it's whether, you know, uh, either we're doing a new initiative or uh, we have a new campaign in place, or maybe you haven't participated in something in a while. So come on back and here's what we've got going on or trying to reach new audiences. And, and again, especially if you're a, a really mission-based or value-based organization, it's, it's really about awareness. And, and um, that goal can take lots of different flavors and, and there's lots of different ways to, to use digital tools to, to generate awareness. But almost always it comes back to that for charities, at least. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because it's really hard to measure return on that, right? Yeah. Like I actually would have assumed fundraising. Maybe that's because I'm a fundraiser. <laughs> yes, that's the lens you see the world through. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is about fundraising. Yeah. Uh, but and and the reason i um i think of well obviously there's there's some clear metrics around when there's a financial mm-hmm. transaction mm-hmm. but um awareness doesn't pay the bills right, right? and it uh sometimes the biggest thing i think with digital marketing is that it's not just getting in front of people it's getting in front of the right people yes absolutely there's so many cool things involved in the back end of, of social media that like most people don't know how yeah. to target. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and on the fundraising note, um, I, I think of awareness as a step along the way towards fundraising. So Fair that can enough. most definitely be, be a goal, but I, I doubt that someone is going to be completely unaware of an organization and then go right from like, you know, I've never even heard of you to here's a thousand dollars. You know, usually totally is an awareness step yeah. somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. But I'm always surprised. There's so many great resources around, like for example, Facebook and, the, and yeah. retargeting yeah. and organizations and businesses often aren't aware that actually yeah. you can run awareness ads or fundraising ads specifically to people who visited your website or who like your page. uh, And that um, sometimes it's just staying top of mind. So it's Mm -hmm. not new awareness, but it's sustained awareness that, uh, that I think there's so much, there's so much behind social media, which brings me to my next question, which is a lot of people outsource their social media to volunteers because hmm, I'm going to make some assumptions and say that the staff might be um, an organization that's not, or of uh, agent stage where they're not super comfortable in the digital space and Mm. they have younger volunteers, maybe high school students and they think, Oh great. That's a really great project for them. Right. What's the risk of not developing that skill set yourself? I mean, there's a, there's a big picture risk, which is that, um, and and I want to say like right off the bat, I'm not really like an alarmist when it comes to technology. And and I, um, I know some people that work in the tech space that are very much like hammer and nail people. Like, you know, that old adage that, you know, if the only tool you have is a hammer, you, you tend to see every problem as being a nail. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't necessarily think technology solves all things on the planet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that, that's not really the lens that I'm, I'm looking at this through. But um, the people that I do see that start to fall behind in basic awareness of digital trends um, will fall even further and further and further behind. And I, I see it as a... Um, kind of a, a literacy thing and also as a communication tool. So um, if everybody else in society starts, you know, speaking a slightly different dialect of a language or they start adopting a new language and you don't learn that language as well, then as society keeps moving forward, you're going to be further and further out of touch with your, your stakeholders. So whether that's your, you know, your audience base or your donors, um, your board, et cetera. So I, I think part of it is just general digital literacy. Um, in terms of kind of getting the, you know, the youngest person on your team to, to do your work for your, your digital work for you, because you think that maybe they're a millennial or a digital native. Um, <laughs> here's a funny story for you. Um, I was that person for a very long time. Um, and especially when I, when I worked at charities, I used to work, um, at the Tarragon theater when I was in my early twenties and just surely because I was the youngest person on staff, a lot of some digital initiatives fell to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'll be honest, Cindy, and hopefully, you know, if any Tarragon people are listening, please forgive me. Um, I like, I messed stuff up like <laughs> all over the place. Like one day I took down the entire company website. <laughs> um, so just because I was young <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean I knew what I was doing. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that volunteers and young people can help, but I don't think they should be the only person crafting the message. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you have a great relationship with a volunteer or someone, uh, you know, a young person on staff or an intern, if you can sit with them and spend, say, an hour a week and say, these are the key messages we want to get out in the next week or so on social media um, or through, you know, email marketing or any of our digital initiatives. Um, and again, those key messages should always go back to those goals. So whatever your, you know, the organizational goals at the moment, um, they could potentially move forward with then pushing the message out and they will know a lot more about like some of the kind of the cool ways to respond to someone and whether you should like something or retweet it or whatever that might be. But, um, but work together to craft the key messages. Um, because I, you know, you got to remember at the end of the day, Social media is social. So um, there, there is kind of an analog um, uh, corresponding, you know, scenario, which is like, you know, if, if you think of social media as being like a really big party, it's, it's a big room where all kinds of people are chitty chatting and talking to each other and networking and saying hello. Um, if your organization gets invited to that party, which member of your staff are you going to send? Are you going to send the executive director? Are you going to send, you know, the head of development? Or are you going to send the intern? Uh, and if you do send the intern to the party, no, okay, let, let, let's pick through this is a really, really fancy party. And this is one that potentially has some big name donors in the room and things like that. Are you really going to send your intern? And if you do you're going to, you would, you would arm them with key messages. You would say, listen, 
if you're going to go and talk to the Westons, then, you know, this is what you need to say to them or, or something, you know, like you, you wouldn't just willy nilly send a volunteer into a fancy pants social party without um, at least going in with them or, or briefing them in advance. And so the exact same thing should, should be in your approach to social media. Yeah. And I think that really drives back the why. And I want to talk about the where, because maybe that's not like a, a, fancy LinkedIn or Facebook party. Maybe that's like a Snapchat if that's still a thing. And in fact, that intern is talking to a bunch of other peers at that party and I would be really out of place there. So taking that uh, analogy back, because I think it's fun. Um, So we talked about the why. I do want to talk about the where because there are so many platforms and yes. even within platforms, there's different strategies. How yeah. do you know, understanding we can't do it all, yeah. uh, how, which ones do you pick? Um, so with anything, I I tend to at least start a little bit because I, I think you have to start somewhere. So there is a, a moment of just like throwing some spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. So you you want to try testing in the lowest possible like easiest way, um, like lowest barrier to entry possible. Um, and then you want to measure. You always should be measuring back against goals for anything you do. Like this is where, you know, the, the tech world is very data driven. Um, and you can tap into some of that data and it doesn't have to be like, you know, you, you don't, you don't need to put a data scientist on your team. And I know, especially when um, some people that work in charities, um, you know, my background in the arts, when people would hear about data, they would just kind of freak out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so my, my thought is, um, you know, pick a few to get started with, uh, go with your gut instinct a little bit, or some basic knowledge about if we're talking about social media, um, knowing some of the key demographics of each platform. And, you know, I can tell, I can say them, or, you know, we can, you know, you can just literally Google them, um, of, of kind of who is in what space. So, you know, you mentioned Snapchat. Snapchat is wildly popular amongst, um, you know, teenagers. And uh, so if, if your organization is tar- targeting a younger demographic, um, then that might be a great room for you to attend a party. Uh, if your gener- or if your um, your organization is targeting a completely different generation, then don't be on Snapchat. Um, also, the the ways in which you communicate on each platform can can affect which you choose as well. So, what I mean by that is. Um, if your organization has a lot of visual assets, so a lot of like potentially great photos of, um, you know, you're doing some cool work, you've got some really fun initiatives, some different projects where you're always snapping photos, um, then you could, you know, really do well on a visual platform like Instagram or Pinterest. Um, if you don't have any visual material at all, uh, you're really going to struggle on those platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe being on a more text-based platform like Twitter, um, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook, you can do both text and images or video as well. Um, and it, it, it almost, I, I'm not saying go after all of them, but I'd say pick maybe three and do tests mm-hmm. um, and and make a decision early on about what, what metric you're going to pay attention to. 
And like, and like you said, Cindy, when you go into the back end of a lot of social media platforms, you'll be given some analytics and some data and admin and reporting. And it can be really, really hard to know which metrics to pay attention to and which ones to ignore. Because there's a bunch in there that are just, um, I call them vanity metrics, where it'll, uh, ones like things like uh, reach, yeah. impressions. Um, impressions is the biggest vanity metric. Impressions means that like, if every single person who was interacting with you happened to be looking at the exact same time and saw your message, this is how many people you could have potentially reached at that moment. Yeah. It's, it's the equivalent of saying like, okay, we put a billboard on the side of the Gardner Expressway and um, we know that at rush hour there are, I don't know, I'm going to make something up. Let's say we know that there's 300,000 cars on the Gardner Expressway. Therefore, your billboard was seen by 300,000 people. Yeah. Well, Which we is- know that's not true. Like, right. But that's duh. how people are used to <laughs> measuring advertising in traditional medium, right? Exactly. That's what you see when you advertise on out, out of home or in yeah. papers or newspapers. That, yeah. That's what we're sold as the metrics, but it's exactly. so different. But it's not true because, you know, people might be fiddling with the radio. They didn't see your billboard. They were, you know, trying to pick something up off the floor for their kid or whatever, right? Um, so when you're when you're going into your social media uh, dashboard, I care much, much more about clicks. I care about click-through rate, which means how many people clicked on, you know, a link that you were sharing and then actually, um, you know, made it off of the platform and onto your website. Um, I care a little bit more also about time, like the time somebody spends interacting with something, especially mm-hmm. if it's a video. Uh, if you're posting a video on social media, if somebody spends even 10 seconds watching a video, like 10 seconds in internet time is like an hour in the real <laughs> world. So that to me is an indicator of engagement. Um, you know, share rates. If somebody is is sharing uh, and forwarding to friends, um, comments, that also shows engagement. So those are the metrics I care much more about than things like reach and impressions um, and more of those kind of vanity metrics. Yeah, no, I think that's really insightful and important for organizations. Um, so one of the things... I want to take one step back because when you're talking about where I want to share my opinion and get your thoughts on it. Okay. So (laughs) as a fundraiser, I'll preface it by saying that, um, I always say, okay, where are, what platforms are our existing donors on? Yep. That's where we need to be playing instead of trying to find a new audience. How do we actually engage with our existing audience? But Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people say they want to reach a new audience. Everyone wants to engage millennials. What, what do you think? I think it, it, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I think it comes back to the goals and the goals of your organization. If you're in a growth phase, um, then I would love to see, you know, in an ideal world, I'd want to see 50, 50. Um, you know, a return of your existing uh, donor base and then also reaching new people. Um, if you're not in a big growth phase and you're, um, you know, just not, not that you're stagnating, but maybe you, you are developing um, some products that will appeal, not products, you know what I mean? Like um, uh, new initiatives, new services, um, that will kind of appeal to your existing donor base, it is much easier and much less expensive to go after your existing community than to go and try and get a new customer. 
or to go and get a new donor. So knowing that is, are, are you really in the middle of a big campaign where you're going to try hard to go after somebody new? And if so, that's awesome. Go for it. Um, but know that that kind of growth is difficult and it's going to take more effort. It's going to take more time and more money to reach those new people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the tools, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit, Cindy, um, there are some tools in social media. So when we're talking about um, social media in general, I, I think people mean like what we call organic social media, which is posting, you know, searching for your company name, using hashtags, interacting with people, commenting, basically anything that you don't have to use money for, um, we kind of call organic social media. But then there's a whole other side of social media that involves some cash. Um, and that's paid social media and using social media as a targeting tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a few different platforms, you can do very specific targeting to audiences that you build on their plat- on their platform. So Facebook is great at this. Um, you can build what's called a custom audience in Facebook. So you can choose... I want to target people that have this particular postal code or um, they're this, you know, age range, you know, gender interest list, et cetera. But another thing you can do, and this is where a lot of charities I think have, have an, have, um, have an advantage that they don't even know. Um, most charities that I've ever worked with have some sort of a database. Mm-hmm. So either a fundraising database, a volunteer database, you know, uh, you know, I come from the performing arts. So there's often a box office database, um, a database of patrons. You can take that database and put it into a custom audience inside Facebook. And this is when people go, what do you mean? Isn't that like against, you know, privacy law and all that stuff? But here's the kind of the evil part. It's not against privacy law because it's never public. It's, it's a little kind of deal between you and Facebook. You take your database, so you get your Excel dump of all your email addresses. You put your database into Facebook and you say, I want Facebook, I want you to target all of these people and people who quote unquote look alike mm-hmm. to those particular individuals. So people that are similar to them in terms of, you know, um, you know, net household uh, income, where they live, how old they are, what their interests are. And then you can do some pretty sophisticated targeting and targeting messages, both to reach people that have uh, had already had a touch point with your company and those who may be similar to those that do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it feels very evil, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Especially because we have limited budgets, right? Yeah. And I mean, Facebook advertising, I use Facebook because that's the platform we're talking about um, that has that capacity, but it's inexpensive to begin with, but you Mm -hmm. can get much higher return on your investment if you are really specific and engage those uh, targeted audiences. Yeah. And then same thing, you've got to watch those metrics really, really closely. So you're, you're kind of listening for those early indicators that your messaging is successful. Um, so you're listening for the clicks, you're listening for the shares and the comments and the, and the conversions and, and all of those things. And then you're always tweaking, tweaking your messaging, tweaking who you're targeting to. Um, you, basically, I, I joke with, with people that come to Camp Tech. I'm like, I hope you brought your white lab coat because now now we're, we're all going to become data scientists and we're going to start, you know, tweaking things. But it's, it's about hypothesis and measurement and then iteration. 
amazing. (laughs) 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 Those are great words. Um, Yeah, I think that that is such a great place. And I want to say to start with social media, because I do feel like once you really dive into certain platforms, there's way more opportunity within that. But just understanding that if you're going to be, especially if you're spending money, but regardless of what you're doing, organic or paid, look at the metrics and evaluate if it's worth it and what your goal is. And then you are spending money, make sure you're targeting and doing it really well. And there's lots of great resources on how to learn how to do that. Yeah. And if you're not, and this is the thing that I always kind of say, and like, wait, I can't believe a tech lady is about to say this, but if you're not going to approach it that way, if you're not going to, you know, put on your lab coat and be a little bit of a data scientist and, and play with it a bit, if you're, if you don't have the resources uh, to commit to doing that, then honestly don't do it at all. Um, people that, that work in, in the charitable sector are such wonderful, big hearted people who also need to, to spend some time, you know, taking care of themselves. And so, um, you know, if, if this means that, this is the last thing you're going to do at 10 o'clock at night before, you know, you really should just go to bed and get some rest and you're not really going to be able to have the resources to do it properly. Then I, I give you permission to just not do it at all. Because if, if you don't approach it with this kind of data, um, scientific method sort of approach, um, you, you're probably not going to be successful and then you're just going to get wildly frustrated. Um, and you know, I, I see a lot of people that say, I tried that and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, let's unpack that a little bit. What do you mean you tried it? Did you measure? Did you, you know, iterate? Did you follow through on on changing some things after you learned that certain things didn't work? Or did you just throw your hands up in the air and say to hell with it? Um, because if that's it, then, oh my gosh, just get some rest so you can keep doing the wonderful work that you do instead. <laughs> yeah, especially because it can be a black hole, right? You can get sucked yeah. into into social media so easily. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and it's a, but I feel like that requires, that statement is like hashtag real talk. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we're yeah. in that space right now. Yeah. Um, but I actually want to shift gears and talk about email marketing, which you yes! had earlier. Um, it's my favorite. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I should just let you talk about it. <laughs> Do you want me to ask a question or you want to go for it? Um, okay. So the, the number one thing I will say about email marketing and why I just adore it, like, um, you know, of all the, the digital marketing children in my world, it is my favorite. Um, and the main reasons why it's my favorite is because it's yours. Um, mm-hmm. It belongs to you. And I say that again, after we just spent a lot of time talking about social media, but um, I am very concerned about watching organizations that again, small businesses, charities, people that have limited time, money, resources, energy. Um, I'm very, very concerned about watching people spend so much of their resources building their digital castle on somebody else's land. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I mean by that is, um, you know, here we are in 2018 and it's, it's kind of hard to remember Facebook in 2018 before the Cambridge Analytica scandal um, that happened in March. Uh, But even before then in, in like December of 2017 and then January of 2018, Facebook changed their algorithm significantly. So the algorithm is, is what determines what, 
people see in their newsfeed when they log into Facebook. So when you log in and you see, you know, pictures of your friend's kids and, you know, an update of, you know, this is what this organization is doing or things like that. Um, there is an algorithm at play that determines what content should be shown to different Facebook users. And um, Facebook publicly announced basically because they messed things up so bad with, uh, you know, hashtag fake news um, and uh, alleged Russian interference with the U.S. 2016 election, um, that they were going to do a massive recalibration of their algorithm that would make it much, much harder for organizations and businesses and charities um, to have their content seen on Facebook. They're going to prioritize content that's coming from people's friends and family and deprioritize content coming from organizations. And that includes charities. It's not just like totally for-profit consumer nonsense. Um, so all that is to say, I saw a lot of organizations that had spent a lot of time building up their following on Facebook, really building that engagement, and they got knocked in the knees. They had, like, it just went down almost overnight. Um, so it's, it will happen again. It will happen on Instagram. It will happen on LinkedIn. It'll happen on Twitter. It will happen everywhere. So, um, I say, you know, social media is funsies and go for it and have a good time, you know, building it out. Do keep working on social media. Don't not do it. But with something like email marketing, um, the actual, like, like your database, the people that you are sending emails to that belongs to you. So it doesn't really matter which piece of software you use to send the email, you know, whether you're using, you know, um, the BlackBod solution that, you know, is, is kind of with Razor's Edge, or if you're using, um, you know, MailChimp, or if you're using, you know, Constant Contact or any of those, because it's your information, you can always extract or export your list take it to another solution, send it out that way. You're in control with email marketing. So that's that's um, the number one thing. And then the number two thing is um, it's the only digital channel where the information goes directly to the person mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, you can, you can throw a lot of money at Google ads or you can throw a lot of money at Facebook and hope that people will see your message. But what if they're on vacay and they just didn't log into Facebook for a week or something, you know, they, they just might not see it at all uh, where email goes out to the person. And, and it is kind of in our society. Most people check their email at least once a day. Um, and even if they don't open it, they probably saw it in their inbox. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're getting the company name, you're getting, there's a lot of art to like the subject line of an email. So even if somebody doesn't even open it, they've probably seen it. So for all these reasons, I just, I, you can tell probably by my voice, I just get so excited <laughs> about email marketing. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, so one of the really interesting things I find around email marketing is frequency. Yes. And also, I'm going to say level of design, Mm -hmm. uh, which are two things where I think there's a lot of misconceptions. So to talk about frequency, um, you know, everyone always thinks that their organization is sending out too many emails. Mm. What's enough? What's too much? What's just right? Yeah. So, you know, we, there is actually a a fair amount of of data that has been compiled and a lot of research that has been done saying that um, the frequency of email marketing has um, 
increased in the last few years. And there is a bit of, you know, trying to keep up. So let's, again, look to the consumer space for a minute. Um, with with big consumer brands, you know, if you're on, like, I'm on the email list for Sephora, like the, the makeup store. Um, I'm on the email list for, uh, like, Air Canada. Um, I get messages from those brands almost daily. Yeah. Um, the, the frequency is so, 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 so high. Um, where before it used to just be like, you know, maybe a weekly kind of thing where now it's so much higher. Um, for anyone that says, uh, you know, I, I, they'll say, I think our organization is sending too frequently. I'll be like, eh, I don't know about that, you know, um, because then I say, let's look at the data. And uh, you, you kind of made a good point there, Cindy, where you said, you know, what's too much, what's not enough, what's just right. And when I teach email marketing um, to students at Camp Tech, I honestly, that's my methodology. I call it the Goldilocks method um, <laughs> because there's all kinds of data that says supposedly like Tuesdays are the best day of the week to send out emails and 10 a.m. is the best time. If that was true, all of our inboxes would just be exploding with email on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. And then we wouldn't get email any other day. Like, so of course that can't be true across the board. Um, what I teach instead is to try and figure out what's right for you and your organization. And just like Goldilocks, you have to try a little bit. You have to go past the line of no, like, oh, too much. Oh, not enough. And how you know is by going into the reporting and analytics. So you need to send a few different email campaigns as trials. Um, you know, you need, you need to mess around with it a little bit. Maybe you send weekly or every couple days or bi-monthly or whatever your, your cadence or your interval is. And then you watch for your key metrics. You might watch for open rate. You might watch for click rate. And then you note oh, hey, you know, when we send an email once a week, the open rate's actually higher or the click rate is higher. Um, but if we send them, you know, with months in between, we don't have as high of an open rate and we get more of an unsubscribe or, you know, whatever whatever is the appropriate metric for you to be watching. So you play with it a bit. And then once you find it, then you, you kind of zero in. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, layout and content mm -hmm. and design as well. Same thing. Um, this is why I love data because data um, challenges assumptions mm -hmm. and we can make so many assumptions. And, you know, I see this all the time in organizations where, you know, you may have the executive director who has an opinion and then the director of development who has an opinion. They'll go, well, I like that layout. Well, I like that one. And the thing is you can't argue with like, like I, I can't tell you you're wrong if you like something, yeah. but I can, we can argue um, uh, effectively about performance. So let's try a layout with a certain, you know, maybe we'll put a button on the left or maybe we'll put it at the top or the bottom and then we'll test it, send it out. Oh, who knew when you put the button down below for whatever reason, it performs better. It gets more clicks than when we put it on the right. So then it doesn't matter if you like it or not because it performs and then you don't have to get stuck in those circular arguments that go around and around. Mm -hmm. And I think for content, that's so important because I see a lot of organizations we work with, they, we come in and they have like 10 different articles on their e-newsletter that goes out maybe once every month or every other mm -hmm. month. And they're like, well, we can't do it more fre frequently because we can't build, like we can't, you can't have that every much time, content. Right? 
Yeah. And so trying to redistribute that content, that could be 10 months of, or like four yeah, months do of one weekly and, yeah, emails. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, like I think it's, it comes down to not necessarily more work, but just being smarter and testing yeah. and actually letting your audience tell Let you. Let your audience tell you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and know how they're going to tell you. So again, it's focusing on which metrics are the most important. If the, if the email is, again, I hate to keep going back to the, to the product space and the consumer space, but those those people, they have no idea how easy they have it. They have like, if you're in the, in the consumer product space, you have the easiest metric. It's like purchases, <laughs> you know? Um, so they can very easily, uh, you know, make all those decisions, like which thing performed better in terms of actually make driving sales. Um, if your goal is more awareness, um, or, you know, learning more about something, it, there are still going to be those quantitative measurements for more qualitative information, but it's a little harder to, you have to kind of sit for a minute and think about, okay, if we want people to just know more about this donor drive we have coming up and we want to kind of let them know that it's on the horizon and they should be thinking about their charitable giving this season or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you have to kind of sit and think for a minute and be like, well, what's the quantitative measure that we're going to use to determine whether or not that's successful. And often you can find one. You just have to like think about it a little more. Yeah. There's one last digital marketing piece that I want to talk about. Yeah. Which is websites. Yeah. Because here's another thing that we see consistently with organizations we go into. Yeah. Which is they have an outdated website and no one knows how to update it. Yeah. And and it's um, with, with new technology, not even that new technology, but there's so many really easy ways to build and design websites where you can control and update it. I feel like it's not an excuse anymore. Yes. Um, (laughs) So maybe that's a rant, but (laughs) (laughs) the question I guess is like how, because websites are probably equally as, if not more important as the email list. Yep. Um, but how should an organization think about actually using their website as something that's living and breathing as opposed to something you put up on the, on the web one time and it kind of sits there yeah. as is for a very long period of time? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's really, really important that a website should not be stale, that it, it should be living and breathing and changing the same way that your organization does. Um, and so anytime that anything is happening in the offline world, you want to see it reflected in the online world. Um, and, and that's, you know, just first and foremost, just about like being able to share information with people. If they go to your website and it's all outdated information, um, you know, you're going to have some <laughs> admin headaches. Um, and, and also it, your website and what's on your website and, you know, how often it's updated, that also is information that, that Google picks up on. So, you know, when people are going to Google and other search engines to look for things, uh, you know, how often your website changes is one of the, there's a few kind of key signals that allow Google to understand you a bit better so that they can rank your website properly in search engine results. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a bit of an SEO and SEO means search engine optimization. There's a bit of an SEO play that's, you know, you're always kind of thinking about with, with websites. Um, you know, 
the internet is a, like, like, like the way that websites work. It's weird. Um, you know, I, I used to be a web designer and a, a web developer and I would actually code websites. And I remember, you know, when I was learning to code in, you know, say 2005, 2006, and now the, the way that coding languages have evolved, you know, 12 years later, um, it's, it's really heads and shoulders. Like it's, it's a completely different game. Um, you know, and, for so many organizations, you're probably not on your very first website. You've probably made one at some point before, or maybe you're you're redesigning or rebuilding. Um, we used to have to make websites in a certain way so that the code could be as kind of future-proof and malleable and modular as possible. And usually that meant making a very expensive website. Um, so that, you know, it, it, it could hopefully just be used for a number of years. Um, where now the approach is a little bit different. And I'm finding that more and more organizations are starting to do websites that might not cost as much upfront. Um, they're probably not going to last as long. You're probably going to need to redo it. And like, it's not crazy to redo your website every two years. Um, but the barrier to entry is a bit lower. Like you, you shouldn't have as much of an upfront cost because of the the technological advances and things like do-it-yourself web builder kind of platforms that are out there. They're so much better than they ever used to be. I, I would never, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago say, oh, just go and build your own website. Like that was not a good idea. Um, now, now it really is totally possible. Um, so there's both the tech uh, ability to keep a website updated. And then it's just, you know, an administrative function of, you know, remembering, oh yeah, we need to update our website. Um, and then also the other thing that I want all organizations to do with regards to their website is um, I want all organizations to have what's called a Google My Business Profile. Um, mm -hmm. So it's free, it's easy. Go to Google and type in Google My Business. It's it's called My Business. It's a product from Google. And it's it's basically why, you know, if you're looking up like a dry cleaner or something, and you can see information about that or that company in the sidebar of a Google result, all the information that's in there, pictures of the business, where the organization is located, um, you know, what the operating hours are, what the phone number is, all of that information gets into Google through the Google My Business portal. It's free. You don't need to know code or anything. Like this is something that maybe a volunteer could actually do for you. Uh, but but set that up, and that's another good way to give Google information about you. But then keep it updated. There's new features inside Google My Business where you can um, post events. So let's say you're going to have like you know, the, the annual gala or a car wash next weekend or, or whatever it might be, you can actually submit all that information, event information into Google My Business now. So it's both keeping it up to date on your website and then also letting Google know. And I think reviews is a really huge <laughs> part of huge, Google My huge, Business. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, um, you can is. have your donors and supporters and other people review yeah. your organization and you know, if someone is Googling, you know, your, your organization, cause they might want to support it in some way, yep. volunteer, yep. that speaks volumes, right? Peer to peer yeah. um, review is, is so important to people. It's, and I mean, it, and anytime, 
any of this. Like sometimes we all get so caught up with in almost a feeling of being paralyzed. Like, I don't know what I should do and I don't know what's correct and I don't know what the right way to do something is. And that's why I'm like, hey, chill out. What would you do if you were online? If you were looking for like, I don't know, uh, a pizza parlor, you're probably going to be influenced by the reviews. And if you see the one that has five stars versus the one that has three stars, which one are you going to pick? It's the same thing. You know, when people are looking at your organization versus, you know, another organization that has, you know, a similar mission or mandate. Um, so with the Google My Business reviews, you you get a link where you can, you know, and, and we've done this at my small business where we actively encourage people. We're like, hey, thanks so much for coming out today. Seems like you had a really good time. Would you mind uh, leaving us a quick review on Google My Business? Because it really makes a big difference to us as a small as a small company. And I think that's such a beautiful thing that small charities can leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, people understand that. If a small charity says to me, hey, you know, we don't have the digital dollars you know, to do a really big, uh, a big ad spend online. But, you know, having a good review on Google, it really makes a big difference for us. Because we're small, and we could use all the help we could get. Would you mind just taking a minute right now and just give us a five star review if you feel like leaving a comment, like it, it really makes a huge, huge difference. And people will be like, of course, they will. Like, what's their total jerk or something? Right? You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Um, I think that's so great. Google my business. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes for yeah. sure. Yeah. And that I think the piece around your website having a shorter shelf life is also really insightful and should, in my opinion, um, also influence what goes on your website. Yes. <laughs> yes. Huge, huge, huge. It's not yeah. a huge suppository of like all the yeah. information that ever existed about your organization yeah, anymore. Yeah. So what should we prioritize putting up on our site? Yeah. And and that's another big trend that we've seen over the last decade or so. You know, they're, they're <laughs> It used to be so fun. Like it would be like, Hey, we're doing a new website. So let's put like the entire like 50 year history of the organization and every archival photo we have, like let's oh, yeah. build all of that out. I think and I the, spent I, months writing web content. <laughs> it, it was like the, um, the everything but the kitchen sink sort of model of, of web content and web design. Um, now websites are much, much uh, leaner in terms of content. Also, less content means it's going to load faster. And, and you know, the biggest growing uh, kind of movement in web design is is mobile, uh, meaning that, that people will be able to easily access your website when they're um, on a smartphone or a mobile device. So a smartphone or tablet. Um, now the, the kind of prevailing wisdom in website design is to be more, here it comes again, goal oriented um, so that, that people can find the information they need to then lead them to something. It's the idea that a website is just one step in a larger, you know, path or a larger funnel, if you want to call it that, although that's kind of an icky marketing word. Um, but, but it, it's part of your, your, your customer journey or your stakeholder journey um, that, you know, they, they might go to the website to get a little bit of information, but then they're going to call or they're going to email or they're going to come to the info night. Um, now, that being said, I do know that some charities will use a section of their website to put more in-depth information about their organization um, in regards to, you know, if um, 
like granting officers or granting bodies want to get that kind of information. <laughs> Sometimes you do need to have that deep, deep, you know, we've been around since, you know, 1776 and here's everything we've ever done since then. Um, it's not bad, but I'd say don't make that your, your big focus, make your yeah. big focus for, you know, the key person that, you, that you're trying to attract and the information that they might be looking for. And, um, you know, if, if you are working on, you know, a big grant proposal or something, you can have that, um, you know, kind of the archives sort of stuff, but, you know, bury it down in the footer or something <laughs> so people can find it, but it, but it's not, it's, I, I love again, goals and I love hierarchy mm-hmm. and the hierarchy of website content and the hierarchy of website design needs to match the hierarchy of goals of the organization. And I think having less content again, addresses that issue that really is the biggest challenge for organizations, small organizations is time. So mm-hmm. don't worry about writing 50 pages of copy for your website. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> no. Right. It's all about like p- doing what's reasonable and manageable and, and that why. So what is yeah. the most important thing yeah. to get online and do that? And, yeah. maybe and again, there's, there's metrics for your website as well. Um, you know, a lot of people are running Google analytics, which is a free add on, um, for, for websites. You just hook Google analytics up to your website and it'll tell you what people's behaviors are on your website and how they're scrolling and what they're clicking on. So, um, you know, a lot of people will spend so much time and energy building out all this content and then I'll go into their Google analytics. And I'll be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Nobody's even clicking through to that page. (laughs) Yeah. As as opposed to this, like, if you build it, they will come sort of philosophy of the web. Yeah. I'm going to wrap all those three things together in a nice little bow, (laughs) which is don't expect people just sort of hop on your page anytime they feel like it. Use social media to drive people there. That is one way you're going to get them seeing that content that you worked so hard on. And then use your website to collect email addresses. And then that becomes your ongoing way to build those relationships. So I think they work really nicely together, all three of those tools. Um, and wow, Cindy, like you do you want to come teach digital marketing <laughs> at Camp Tech? Because like you totally got it. <laughs> there you go. So uh so yeah, it really is, you know, I think I'll end with this idea of why. So understanding who your audience is, what journey you can take them on through those tools, and then how you measure and evaluate that. I love it. Awesome. All right, yeah. Avery. Where can people get more information about uh, you or Camp Tech or any other resources? Yeah, so um, so Camp Tech, we have in-person uh, classroom style tech training uh, for adults. It's even though it's called camp, it's for it's for grownups, uh, and that's in grown-ups Toronto. Grownups can and, have uh, fun too. Oh my gosh, we can have so much fun! Um, and that's at camptech.ca. Uh, I also do a lot of consulting myself, and I love to consult with charities. And I consult through my business, which is called North Coast Group. Uh, and I think that's <laughs> I don't even know my URL. I think it's northcoastgroup.ca. Uh, as well. And, um, and I, I am a big oversharer on the internet. So you can pretty much find me anywhere uh, with the handle Avery Swartz. Amazing. Thank you so much. That was a great conversation. Thank you. 
Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.